Hey everybody, and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and this is episode number 196. Today, we are talking about some of our hopes and fears for the upcoming year, as well as just some of the games that we've been playing uh, since, you know, Game of the Year time. So, uh, so yeah, joining me today is Joel. Yeah, my hope and fear is that the article that accompanies this podcast goes up at some point. <laughs> and Brian. The onus is on me, so I, I gotta do it. Brian? Yep. yep. Uh, yep. Uh, right. Art, this is gonna be a hotsy-totsy episode. indeed indeed well we have a great show lined up for you it's kind of a long one but it's fun so we hope you enjoy it now on with the show we're playing this all hotsy totsy all right um i don't want to know what that means <laughs> I, don't know, I thought it sounded good, so you know, I was just going to go with that. I was thinking, like, I, I'm picturing Brian, like, huddled in a corner of his house, just like, oh God, am I going to make it through this podcast? No, 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 it's not that bad at all. I, I like. So, Hotsy so, Totsy is apparently, like, a real phrase. It, uh, really... It's a term of approval. Is it? Um, okay. Yeah, hotsy totsy rhythms thrilled the air is the uh, the sentence that's used um, next to the definition in the Oxford Dictionary, which I don't understand what that sentence means. But um, well, I'm I'm adding a secondary definition to hotsy totsy that means shooting right. from the hip. Okay, sounds good. Yep. So we're we're Let's, hip firing uh, on this one. That we're sounds uh, you know kind of kind of. Uh, Normal. It's good to get back to a, a hotsy totsy kind of point of view for the podcast. Um, so yeah, let, let's go ahead and get started with that, guys. Welcome to 2016. This is like the third podcast that we've done, but you know, I'm just gonna say welcome again because we're still pretty early in the year, even though January's already gone. When did that happen? I don't. Yeah, for real, where did that go? It, I don't know. Um. But uh, but yeah, let's let's do our final kind of look forward to 2016 uh, here with our hopes and fears. So uh, so yeah, we're just gonna jump right into this. Uh, Joel, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Um, I I can go first. Do we want to go right. negative or positive? What are we doing here? Ooh, that's a good feeling? question. That's a good question. That's um, also be buying time. Let's, finding, let's finding start. Let's start bad. Is. Right. Let's start with the bad and let's go. Let's go fears to hopes. Okay, that sounds good. I, I like it. All right, Brian's playing from the hip. I, I like it. There you it. go. That's okay. right. Hotsy totsy. So uh, my fear for 2016, <laughs> thank God, I wrote this like three weeks ago and I still agree with it. So my fear of uh, 2016 is that I won't post our hopes and fears uh, article because I completely forgot about it. Uh, my other fear, though, is that VR... <laughs> I would really have liked if you would have written that one down. Yeah, like, no, right? Actual... yeah I'm not just not... I'm going to forget to post this, and oh my god, oh. I forgot to post this. I'm <laughs> scrolling through the article, and I'm like, wait a minute, he didn't actually say that. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, he, he didn't. Yeah. That would have been fantastic. That would have been good, though. I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't have that much premonition on my own shortcomings, unfortunately. Um, god, I should have posted this, though. Um... <laughs> This is a great article. We got some good stuff on here. Um, so my biggest fear, though, for 2016, and I actually think this is going to come true. I think VR is going to come out as a dud. Um, mm-hmm. I do not think this is the year of VR. I think this is the year of 
a bunch of VR devices that come out that come out to um, maybe somewhat positive reviews, but very low sales, very very little to intrigue people uh, to actually buy in. I think the Oculus uh, price point right now is just way too high, and the stuff it's being packed in with um, just. Uh, at least for me, doesn't interest me. And the stuff that Sony's showing off with the, um, I always want to call it the Morpheus, but the PlayStation VR uh, just doesn't. Morpheus uh, is better. Yeah, I I like Morpheus too. I I just don't have much confidence in VR this year. I don't think it's going to be the virtual boy, but I think we're still um, years (laughs) away. I actually am far more interested to see what, where AR goes, um, something like the HoloLens to me uh, seems to lend itself a lot better. In fact, um, as we get closer to the Super Bowl, uh, Microsoft released a kind of teaser today um, of the HoloLens with uh, football um, on your wall. Uh, and it was pretty cool. Uh, I, I think it was an interesting tech of what AR can do. And, I, and to me, um, as someone get, that gets a little motion sickness, AR s- seems like it'll be a better fit for what I'm looking for than VR. But um, I am still you know, willing to try VR again. But uh, I, I just don't think it's going to be in 2016. Sure, sure. I, I I kind of agree with that. I don't know actually how much um, VR stuff is going to come out this year. Obviously, there's the Oculus, but then you know the uh, Valve's thing still hasn't come out, and I don't think they've announced anything since they just completely missed their launch date in November for it. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's supposedly it was pretty it, impressive at CES, but yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, about launch. Um, and then there there's some other ones like the. Uh, Okay, Starbreeze, the the guys that made the Chronicles of Riddick, they're working on their own oh, VR headsets, right. and uh, the I'm, guys that make uh, Razer mice and keyboard are working on their own VR headsets. And there's probably some others out there that I, I don't know. It's I mean, there's Apple's something exciting up. Um, That's true. Uh, That's Google true. has appointed someone to be the head of their VR. Um, obviously, Microsoft's already got uh, their Hololens stuff. Right. You know, it's it's pretty exciting. I mean, there's a lot of money going into it. So, it, so it is people exciting. smarter than me obviously think that there's going to be something in this VR space. I just don't know if anyone's actually it's coming. It. Well, I yeah, and that, that's the thing. Sit though. Well, I, I mean, I mean, it's it's come, like like it it will soon be that time. But the the thing, and I think that the like the Oculus and that stuff coming out, everybody's kind of seeing at this point. They're seeing where, or they're they're seeing where they they hope the puck is going to go, mm-hmm. and they're kind of shooting for that. And they're the the important part of this is going to be whether or not they get past the initial lull in like first sales, because there's always going to be those first adopters who get out there. But the problem they're going to run into, and I saw there was a great, I want to say it was a Polygon article, and it just came out recently, and it was something akin to um, VR is absolutely unreal, and that's the problem with it. And that you can't, there's no way for you to sell something that the that you can't, you can only like kind of imagine. Yeah, right. well, and, so and that kind of goes back to um, at the uh, the PlayStation uh, conference thing at the end of the year, they were like, "Hey, you know, VR is amazing, and it's not something that you can explain to people." And then they spent most of their show trying, trying to, to explain, explain it. it. Yeah, and and so yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that, Brian. And I also agree with Joel that I don't think this is the year. Essentially, 
a lot of VR may come out this year, but I don't think this will be the year of VR in that this is the year that it will take hold and this is the year that we will see even really good things out of it because yeah, this I is think the start. It, yeah, well, it needs I, to get into the hands of the yeah. people that are going to literally just toy with it night and day for it to to gain any kind of success like yeah. it it's yeah. stayed in a petri dish for years now it and, it's gonna and be so a big it's, word it's of gonna mouth come thing. out stale like yeah. it, it just is it's it's the but, people who can afford it right away that really want to do it and then it's going to be all word of mouth but see and i'm those, not convinced those expensive ones are actually going to do anything in fact if we're, we're talking about our fears i think the, the oculus uh in its current inception isn't going to ever be a mainstream success i i really don't see no no this first one no no well no, i'm not even not. i'm saying if the oculus continues to be a uh, standalone device that you have to hook up to a PC. I just don't think we're in that market anymore. Ten years ago, everyone had their home computers um, that were kind of like their main hub for their homes. That's just not the case anymore. Um, sure. Your iPad and your iPhones are. Um, and I'm not sure Samsung's like Gear uh, VR is where we're going either, but to me, that's closer to where I see VR taking off. I talked about it a little bit last year, but I got a cheap, very, very cheap um, VR headset like adapter for the iPhone. Very little VR content for it. Um, but I brought it to Thanksgiving, um, let my family try it out. And one of the things that like amazed everyone was they had a concert, uh, a Paul McCartney concert where you were basically on stage and you could like look around. And it was pretty cool. Um, but sure. there is so much blocking of the rest of the world in a VR headset that makes it um, so suffocating that, like it, it, I, it, even for people like myself who actually like, um, like solitude and actually like being alone, like it, it just feels so enclosing that it's just a different um, social experience than we've probably ever had before. It is so much more closed off from the rest of the world that yeah, I, I it's just, not like, social not, at all. Well, and I'm mm-hmm. not convinced that that's something that um, outside of Ready Player One we're really going to go forward with, which is why I think something um, AR is probably where this is headed. I just, I just, I'm just not convinced that video games are going to be the ones that propel this. Um, I don't know if I'm watching a movie in a headset. Um, to me, that doesn't sound all that comfortable. Um, and, sure. and I don't know. I just well, have, you, have you ever gone to sleep? Like, have you ever been laying in bed with headphones in, listening to music, all and fall asleep with the headphones on, and all you wake time. up and your ears are hurting? Yep. Like, I can only imagine that way worse with some sort of headset on. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm really interested. I love this. I mean, I'm so excited to be living in this time period where we get to see like. This is a huge market that obviously people are putting millions, if not billions, of dollars into. Um, it's going to be really exciting, but we got to get away from like the gimmicks of um, what we're seeing right now and seeing some actual real experiences that you can only have in VR. And I just have not seen anything yet that really uh, stands out. So I, I think we're still years away from VR being a huge mainstream thing. Uh, sure, and it's also it's one of those things that I don't think any of us will ever buy into it until we can actually truly get to experience it. Because in some ways, it's kind of like the Wii, um, sure. in that like you see the control and you go, "That's dumb. That doesn't make any sense." But then you then you play tennis for the first time and yeah. you're like, "Oh my god, this is awesome!" But then you realize that's the only application for the Wiimote, um, and I'm afraid that that's gonna be kind of part of vr it's like oh it does this one thing super well sure and not so much else 
Um, but then I, I think that VR is not really going to take off until it doesn't require a giant headset for you. Yeah, to that's kind of what I'm. I, at you, I don't know how you could do it without you wearing a headset, and that's why I'm not one of the people that's on a team making VR stuff. But I I can't see like because even even 3D uh, movies and. Uh, all that kind of stuff that has never truly taken off. You know, it got big with Avatar and it's kind of, you know, sucking back down ever sure. since then and less and less each year. Um, and I think a whole big part of that is one: most things aren't made with 3D in mind and kind of suck because of it. Uh, but also, you it requires you to put on these stupid glasses to go see it properly. And so, until we can have some kind of like VR TV. Like, at that point, when I don't, you know, it doesn't require any headset where I can sit down in front of my TV or I can just whip out my iPhone and somehow, magically, I have VR. Like, I, I don't see it being a successful mainstream thing until that point. Agreed. Yeah, I think we will probably spend more podcasts talking about VR this year than probably any other topic. Just oh, because yeah, it's, like, it's all starting to come out and all that stuff sure. is going to be exciting. I, I'm still waiting to see a game um, that doesn't feel like it's on rails. I think that's one of the things yeah. that um, they're kind of clutching onto right now. Also, I, I'm really interested to see where film filmmakers go. Um, and there, I, There's some other multimedia stuff that they can do. Um, but I, I think AR is probably just as exciting. And also just um, I'm interested yeah. to see if uh, my other fear, kind of side fear of this is the PlayStation VR is just going to be the next PlayStation Move or PlayStation accessory, name your name your choice. Um, so we'll see. It's, it's going to be an exciting year. It just I just don't, although we said 2015 might be the year of VR and 2016 feels like it might even be closer to the year of VR. I still think we're a couple <laughs> years away. So your VR comes out. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, um, I guess we'll, we'll go to, to my fear yeah, next, let's do it. unless you're, you're ready to go, Brian, with a fear? Or... You can go first. That's fine. All right, I'll, I'll go with my fear. So my fear is a little odd. Um, ever since I've seen the, the most – or not ever since. Uh, really, since the division was announced, I've been kind of mourning the death of – Tom Clancy, uh, the franchise of video games. Tom Um, Clancy will be fine. (laughs) I'm sure it will be fine as a franchise and continue to be successful. The thing that I'm afraid of is it will be a franchise that I'm no longer interested in. Um, Probably. I don't know if you guys have seen any of the uh, kind of press... Uh, videos they they had some yeah. uh, some kind of event here uh, pretty recent and uh, it it actually reminds me a lot of Alpha Protocol which you would think would get me really excited except it only reminds me of the bad parts of Alpha Protocol which is the the combat because like dudes take a clip to kill and these are like street thugs and you're shooting them in the head and they take a clip to kill and that is not a Tom Clancy game. Um, but uh, just kind of seeing the uh, the straying away of kind of the squad tactics in um, in Rainbow Six Siege and uh, getting you know completely away from the planning in that, and then even the more action oriented uh, nature of the last Ghost Recon that came out a few years ago, and then the Ghost Recon that is currently in production, which looks 
looks like it has more in common with Just Cause than it does Ghost Recon. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have fears that the, the franchise is going away. I don't have fear, uh, fears that the Tom Clancy franchise will uh, disappear because I think it'll find a, a new audience, uh, probably a much broader audience, and I imagine that's why they are making the changes that they are. Yeah. But Tom Clancy used to be a franchise name that you say that, and I got excited before I knew anything about it. And that has proved to be less and less the case as as the years go on. Well, yeah. okay. So this also feeds into my into my fear, which is that if it, based on the beta that happened this weekend, that the division won't is going to come out like Destiny and not be any good. Um, yeah, at the I, beginning. Yeah, I, I was just going to so to comment back on Jonathan's original. I think it's a pendulum. I think it's swinging towards very action heavy for the Tom Clancy games. I do think it's going to hit a point to where it has to it has to swing back, especially if they do another Splinter Cell game. I just the Ghost Recon game that they showed off at E3 last year looked like an action game. I, it honestly, it's kind of like just blurring the lines between the different franchises uh, in the Tom Clancy kind of umbrella because um, they all just look like the same action game. Uh, yeah, no, but, well, well, especially with The Division, and I think what Jonathan, what you have to separate is the fact that this is not an action game. Right, no, it, I, I know it, that. It is, it it is, is like an, straight it's an up RPG. an RPG. Yes, yeah. I, I fully with understand that. It, with and... all the numbers and all the all the crazy bad things that, that can go with that and all the good things that can go with that. Right. And at this and... point, it is like a, it is a crapshoot as to what that thing is going to look like when it comes sure. out. Sure. Sure, but but the thing about that is it it kind of is but it's it's kind of like Tomb Raider 2013 and even uh, Splinter Cell Conviction that if it had a different name I might be excited about it, but I don't want that because when I think of a Tom Clancy game, this is not at all something that like makes sense in my head when I think of the rules that make up a Tom Clancy game. Yeah, I mean, this is a yeah, game that, that literally has no rules, right? I mean, this is this is shoot your way through with getting as much loot as you can. I I, I thought the beta stuff looked fine. I, I'm not. I've never been super interested in this game. I wasn't interested in Destiny. Um, I agree with Brian. I think this is going to come out like Destiny. I think it's going to have. I it's, hope it's not. That's that. See, that's both my fear and like part of my hope is that there's a lot of this game that's that's real promising, especially it's after. Sure pretty. What it, it's very it's very pretty. It looked great on the PC, despite the fact that you know people were already able to hack it. Um, but like listening to a lot of talking about it and watching a lot of it this weekend, there's a lot that wasn't in that beta to actually look at. And they that's had a good like, thing, I, yeah, it's kind of a good thing, but at the same time, like, so when it comes to the story missions, yes, um, the less you show of that, the better. I thought the PvP showed off real well. Um, what didn't show off real well is the world. Because, and from what I heard and what I've read, the world was depopulated. The, ver- the What they put out for people and what people played this weekend is, a, is, is like an empty version of The Division. Because there's supposed to be stuff out there and there's supposed to be things that are happening and none of that stuff was present. So the game that they got was like this like kind of half-cocked world of what was supposed to be there. Well, and really, the beta was to stress test, and if you're if you're disabling half your game, that's interesting way of stress testing it, right? I mean, um, you would think they'd want kind of all all engines firing, um, 
kind of like I always hoped they would have done with, uh, I hate to keep bringing this game up, but uh, Uni- like Assassin's Creed Unity, it's like, did you guys not test like with yeah. all crowds in the game? Because the game obviously just crashes every time you get a lot of people around. Um, and it's kind of interesting that I, I hadn't heard that, but um, I don't know. I think The Division is going to be a good game. I, I, I think they, they probably put so much money into that game. I can't imagine it. Yeah. Anything I, I, that's my hope. I really, I, I don't I don't want it to come out and be bad. I want it to come out and be... It doesn't have to be great, but it needs to be kind of everything that that we, we kind of want it to be so that it can grow into being great. As long yeah. as it's good, I think they've kind of done what they did because that's this this kind of thing is something that can grow. Sure. Um, and, and as long as the... As long as they've gone ahead and they put some sort of story in there that's going to fill itself out, unlike Destiny. And if, yeah. they, if they've taken their cues from that game... And say, guys, we need to at least hit these points. We need to make sure that there's stuff here for people to do from the get-go. As long as it hits that, it's going to find its, it's going to find its balance, and it's going to find its groove, and it's going to find its people to play that. Sure. Yeah, and and that is one good thing. At least I, I haven't heard this. If people have, but as far as I know, nobody reached the end of the unique content in the division in the beta. Like they did in Destiny, where it's like, wait a minute, this is all oh, there no, is. Oh no, no, they totally did. <laughs> yeah, no, no, people they did? finished it. Oh yeah, well, oh, really? the stuff that was in the beta, yeah, totally, absolutely. Well, no, not 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 in the beta, but just at, when they got oh, to the yeah, end of Destiny, like, that was the end of Destiny. When you got to the Destiny. end of the Destiny beta, and you're like, oh man, okay, yeah, I hope there's more on Earth, and no, that was all of Earth. Yes, that's like, yeah, yeah, totally. No, no, that is not definitely. They they've well, they cut out an awful lot. They gave you like one story mission. They gave there were a couple. Um, kind of random missions um, that mm-hmm. supposedly felt like um, these were things that could kind of show up anywhere. Um, that they could be kind of, you know, like uh, almost like uh, not persistent, but um, uh, like procedural. Like, you know, you're mm-hmm. kind of going down the street, there's a store on your left, suddenly, you know, you, you look in that store and there's like a hostage situation going on. So, you know, you go in there, you shoot things, because that's the kind of game that this is. Sure. So I mean, that's so, like true. there's a bunch of stuff like that. So there were a couple of those, um, and then there was the big, uh, the dark zone, uh, the PvP spot. Right. Um, and so, but but you know, like the max level you could get to was eight. Um, the max level in the dark zone you could get to was twelve. Um, they were showing off like I guess each area has its own like kind of separate currency. Like there are dark zone points that you earn that you can yeah, spend that on weapons and stuff. Destiny. Yeah. yeah. There's it's a lot. There's a lot of weirdness. Um, they had it's a lot of you know, but they saw they had a lot of neat systems that were going on. Yeah, um, I do 100% agree with the um, kind of it takes a clip to to kill somebody. Um, and I watched a video. Um, Total Biscuit made a real good point in the fact that when you look at something like Destiny, um, you are in space or you mm-hmm. are in the future, and you're dealing with things that are not necessarily human. They could be robots or they could be aliens. And, right, and phys- they have like crazy yeah, armor on. They could have and, armor. Yeah. Their physiology could be different. There are millions yep. of different of w- different ways to explain why they take so much to kill. When you deal with New York and you're shooting other people with guns that we know how they work, the math doesn't add up. <laughs> right. And that totally makes sense. And uh, like for that, I think that they that's that's something that needs tweaking. Yep, mm-hmm. that's something that they need. They need to work on, especially if it's going to be this kind of wholesale. Like this is something that could happen. You know, this kind of attack. 
this is you know this is kind of a response this is something that's going on there if they're going to kind of couch it in this kind of real world real world thought process then it needs to have some sort of real world rules applied to it sure I agree. Yeah, so on that, I mean, like, totally. I, I don't... I, not having the Tom Clancy background that you have, I don't have, like, a, a predilection to be like, well, it's not, you know, it's not a Tom Clancy game. But I kind of, I, like... I, I don't expect yeah. most people to have the hang-ups that I do. So. Like, but on, but on, that, on that side, too, I mean, it's like... I, I, I think they stopped making tom clancy games years ago and i think they started making um splinter cell games and i think they started making ghost recon games and 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 like tom clancy died when tom clancy died <laughs> like now it's yeah, just and, a now it's just a and, title to say okay this is something that happens in the real world as opposed right, to like and, inside the animus and actually long before tom clancy died ubisoft bought the rights to the name tom clancy that's right tom, uh, tom clancy so, died the first time a tower was erected <laughs> But, Which uh, I did yeah, not it, see any of in the division. This oh, really? may be the first Ubisoft game in a while outside of like Rainbow Six that doesn't have a tower to climb. Well, that's just because that's only multiplayer. If if the maps were bigger, you would see the towers yeah, that you exactly. would be climbing. <laughs> uh, they're, they're like right outside the houses and stuff. Um, but I, I actually I downloaded the demo for the crew just be, because I, I don't know why I did. Yeah. Um. It's it's not. It's not great or anything, um, but it has ta- like well, it's not towers. There's They're like satellite tower. relays that you drive up to, and it unlocks things yeah. in the map. And I'm like, wait, wait, this this has towers in it? Basically, yeah. It has towers in it. Okay. Um, and then I, I turned it off and deleted it like five minutes into the game because I was like, I no, no, this is not okay. I still find it crazy that they made an expansion pack for that game. I didn't. Well, that was actually what I think that was why I downloaded it because the. The version of the game with the expansion pack I saw on Amazon for only like twenty bucks, yeah. and I was like, you know what, I it might be an okay racing game. Ubisoft for 20 bucks. makes decent games. What could this? Yeah, be? yeah, yeah. And so I downloaded the demo, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't even care about what the rest of this is. Yeah, this no. this is Assassin's Creed the racing game. There, I don't there, want there's that. a reason no one <laughs> ever talked about that game. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so. Uh, so I think it's it's time for hopes, Joel. You wanna... Oh yeah, I mean my hope's not going to be surprising to anyone. Uh, my hope is that Nintendo does announce and release an NX this year. But more than that, my hope is that a Zelda game comes out this year for a console. Not I don't really care about their handheld Zeldas, but uh, I'm really hoping the Zelda they've shown off the last four years um, actually comes out this year. Uh, it would be really exciting uh, whether it comes out for the Wii U or the NX. Um, I don't necessarily care that much. Um, but I do think that we use obviously at its tail end, so uh, I would mm-hmm. love to see the NX and a Zelda game come out. Um, there's a lot of rumors that, uh, that 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 might actually happen, so we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, I would love to see Zelda come out. So I I personally have a hard time believing. I think they'll announce something this year, but since we haven't heard a whole lot else about the the new console mm-hmm. or new handheld or both or whatever the NX is, ends up being, I have a hard time believing that it would be announced and launched this fall. Matt, maybe I, they're, maybe they're I don't. I think that's kind of the way they're going with that stuff. They'd like the, the that's what both like kind of Microsoft and and PlayStation managed to do. I would definitely expect them to show it off, and then they they need to get something out there. That's yeah, true. but Didn't I, I feel that? like it. 
I feel like at this point in the year, we already knew more about the Xbox and PlayStation than we know about the NX. No, not at all. Like, remember with the PlayStation, they announced it in February. Like, okay. at, at the end of sure. February, that was so, when they had I mean, that I remember thing, talking to you guys right after it. I don't remember what month it was, but... Yeah, I don't either. But still, okay, so we're really close then. Yeah, yeah we, are, we are very close. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah, I feel yes. like we don't hear about something by the end of, like, the end of February, early March. I think that's going to be telling. Um, the one... Re- so, and I, I guess the thing for me is um, I, I can't see them announcing it at E3 and having it ready for the the holiday right, i guess I that's I agree. the the timeline that i i have a problem with not so much this year but more specifically e3 which is when a lot of things tend to be announced yeah anyway. I, I would say that's absolutely right unless they the rumors are true that this is like a two-part console one part handheld one part console and the handheld part um uh, comes out this year in the console next year or something um, there's a ton of weird rumors around the nx right now and i think we'll probably end up doing more later on that so i don't want to spend too much time on it but uh rumors about maybe it working with playstation other stuff uh i don't know i have no oh, idea that would be wild i have no idea what this console is going to be um they're also talking about nintendo being a little bit more interested in vr uh i've heard rumors mm-hmm. about them doing like a netflix style backlog catalog where you sign up for monthly fees and you get all of nintendo's games i've heard a bunch that of stuff sounds things. way too way too, too cohesive for nintendo yeah yeah so uh, it'll be interesting but I, I agree with you jonathan if that if we don't hear anything yeah. on either the zelda or i to be honest i think they have to hold zelda for an nx release at this point um or i think they're planning on it uh and i, I would be shocked if we don't see something very soon for the nx if it's coming out this year we so I, I was listening to a, a new podcast recently called remaster uh it's done by replay fm okay um, and uh, one of the guys that's on that show uh, was actually at Sony for like 10 years um, as kind of a, a business development guy. He worked with specifically indie studios and kind of basically got them the tools that they needed. Um, but he, he had a really interesting perspective on um, kind of Nintendo's potential launch this year and whether or not there's going to be a Zelda for it. And he, he expected that Zelda is either going to be pushed completely to the NX or it's going to do a Twilight Princess uh, and kind of straddle yeah, the sure. generations. Uh, because he said that you, you can't hold Zelda back before a launch and expect like expect that to extend the life of the console. Because while Zelda is a great franchise and it sells, you know, bukus of copies... It's not a console seller like Mario. That is like the diehard Nintendo guys game. And so anybody or almost anybody that would buy the new Zelda already has a Wii U. Correct. I a thousand percent agree with that. Um, And so that I'm getting I think I think I'm getting a Wii U soon. Well, Zelda's not out yet, so if it came out, you would then already have a Wii U. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. I missed the Zelda portion of that. I thought you. I thought you had said something like anybody who has who who's going to get a Wii U already has a Wii U. And so uh, I was countering I mean, that with. I think I, I'm getting I, a Wii. U I would soon. say that's probably still accurate. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would say for the most part that that is that is pretty accurate. But yeah, specifically with Zelda, that's uh, that's not going to be a console seller. It may yeah. sell almost as many copies as there are Wii U's out there. Which apparently there's only like 10 million Wii U's in the world, which is sad. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I yeah I I think if we don't hear something 
pretty soon about the Wii, or not the Wii U, but the, the new console thing, that it, it's going to have a hard time getting out the, the door by the end of the year. Sure. Um, and I, I could almost even see them shifting to not, like, holiday of 2017, but sometime earlier in the first half of 2017. That would be kind of weird, but maybe they could pull it off. I, I don't know. Uh, personally, for, for Nintendo, I really want something that's a little bit more normal. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I want a console that doesn't scare away third parties, and that's... I, yeah. You look at Mario Galaxy and you go, wow, they, they did a great job adapting this weird control style to this great game, but how much better would it be if I could just play it like all normal games, you know? And like yep. any other game that's come out for that Nintendo has made in the past couple of years. Sure. Like I, which is weird because generally I want stuff that's not just the same. But in this instance, I don't think I'm. I, I think there's going to be another generation of Nintendo consoles that I'm not going to get yep. because it's just bizarre, and I'm not going to buy it for one game that I'm halfway interested sure. in. Agreed. What's your hope, Jonathan? So, sorry for the down. That's on okay. That. <laughs> uh, so, so my hope, um, my hope is a little bit odd, and I'm, I'm going with this hope specifically because my hope for the last two years—well, not my hope—I've had two predictions in the last two years that have actually been spot on. Um, so, two years ago, I predicted that Prey Two would get canceled okay. uh, and that it would be very quiet, and it that was absolutely happened. Yep, that happened. Uh, it, like there was no formal announcement. There was basically like just an email, and it was like Prey Two doesn't exist anymore. Um, and then the next year, this you know a year ago, uh, I said that um, Dishonored Two would be announced, and there would be a current gen remaster of the original game that would come out in 2015. Yep. Both of those things happened in 2015. So I'm gonna take another guess at Bethesda because both of those things have been surrounded by Bethesda. Uh, and I'm going to say that Machine Games, the guys that made the uh, the new Wolfenstein game, which is fantastic. If you haven't played it, go play Wolfenstein, the new order. It's great. Uh, but I think they are going to take another stab at, or take a stab at another id title, and they are going to make a new Quake. Ooh, that's an interesting. Wait, aren't they already making that? Or is that Unreal? They're making a new Unreal. Okay, they're making they, a new Unreal, and they're making a new Doom. Okay. Which all can blur together. Yeah, but. I don't know. Man. I, yeah, exactly. I was never really into any of those, all three of those. But, um, yeah, that's an interesting prediction, especially coming on. So so everyone knows you wrote this like three weeks ago, but but Bethesda shocked me and said they're doing another E3 press conference, which I did not. Yes. Expect. Yeah. Um, not so only are they doing another E3 press conference, but EA is joining them on the same day. Yeah, well, and we could talk about that a little bit, but um, I think that Sunday seems to be a better slot for those press conferences in general. Um, I think you could make a Sunday uh, press conference day a lot more interesting, uh, just knowing how busy that whole area gets with all the convention center. But, um, yeah, I think uh, that's a really good hope slash prediction because I think... um, with them doing a press conference, they got to have more to announce than just Doom, uh, which we know sure. is coming this year, or think it's coming this year. Yeah, and it I, better I, be coming I'm, this year. 
I mean, what gonna, else are they going to further it? predict? Uh, I, I have no idea because there's been a Doom beta since um, forever, basically. Um, I think there was a there was a Doom beta two years ago when I bought uh, the the last Wolfenstein. Let's say Wolfenstein. Yeah, well, so. there, there was there was there was a promise of a Doom beta. The Doom yes. beta. Well, yeah, it wasn't recently. it wasn't out. Yeah, correct. But when I pre-ordered um, Wolfenstein, yeah, it said, said right. I had access to the Doom beta, and that was two years ago. So how is it? Johnson? So uh, how's the Doom beta? I, I have no idea. I haven't played that. You should look into that. You've you've been granted a spot. <laughs> I probably that spot's probably been revoked at this point. Um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, going back quick to uh, the the Quake theory. Not only will there be a new Quake, but it will both reboot and continue the pre-existing franchise, just like the last Wolfenstein did. Where technically it's in continuity with all of the other Wolfenstein games, but then also. You could play it and have never played the other ones and totally enjoy it. So outside of rocket boosting, what was Quake about? Uh, with the Strog, uh, army invading Earth, and then us going to Earth and invading them. Hmm. They were aliens. Was there, there, was was there a, a secret story. story level that you got all that from? Or? Uh, no, <laughs> and Quake 2 actually had a storyline, and then Quake 4 had a storyline. Uh, I know Quake 3 was, like, purely multiplayer, but uh, I'm pretty sure Quake 1 and 2 had the stories. And I'm not just I'm not just pulling that out of my butt. I'm pretty sure that's actually real. Uh, I'm going to look on Wikipedia right now. Okay, because I don't... I like... I, my, my experience with Quake is very limited, so I hope that what you're saying is real, because that sounds awesome. Um, and if they... And if machine games can do anything... If anybody can do anything with a property like that, it's definitely machine games. Because, mm-hmm. like, they took Wolfenstein and made it fantastic. Yep. Like, before it was Wolfenstein, it was respected because it was kind of, you know, it was the first to do that stuff, that Mecha Hitler, right. all of that good stuff. But, like, <laughs> Wolfenstein was great. You know, their little expansion, the old blood, was great. Let's, you know, they, they did a whole lot with that. Yep. Yes, they did. Um, let's see. So, story-wise, Quake 1 and 2 actually don't really, uh, connect. But, uh, Quake 2 takes place in a science fiction environment in which the player assumes the role of a marine named Bitterman, who, uh, is taking part in Operation Alien Overlord in an attempt to prevent an alien invasion of Earth by launching a counterattack against the home planet of the hostile Strog Civilization. And then I know one of the things in Quake 4 was that you actually become like half alien, half human at some point. And I don't know if that gave you superpowers. It sounds like it would because that's a thing that existed in video games. Um, but uh, the, the one that really sticks out for most people is Quake 3 because that came out around the time of Unreal uh, Tournament. And those were, you know, the two kind of juggernauts of, um, of multiplayer shooters there for, for a while. Uh, I feel like Quake 1, 2, and 4 uh, never had as big of a following as, like, Doom did. Right. Uh, as as a whole, you know, like, franchise. But uh, I, I feel like something that is something, just like you said, Brian, that if anybody could take this franchise and do something interesting with it in terms of story um, and gameplay, it would be it'd be Machine Games. So uh, so that is that is my prediction. That's a good one. Or not my prediction, that's my hope. Um, 
which it, it also turns yeah, out. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a, that's a quasi-hope <laughs> slash prediction. Brian? Hold on. Walk away. We got Pirate Piggy Wiggy going on. That's my hope that they make a Pirate Piggy Wiggy game. Okay. Yeah, no. I don't, I don't know what that is, but uh, a, I'm going to go it's ahead a short and say story yes. about a, a small pig and his, uh, his stuffed friends, and he pretends he is a pirate on the high seas and goes okay. over uh, all kinds of adventures. Uh, sure. Hopes for this year. Well, we're getting through it, so it's moving fast. Um, you know, I like I am a very optimistic person, um, and so like every I I hope the best um, for everything. Um, I hope that that I I really want to see the NX gets announced. That's cool. Um, what you just told me about Quake, uh, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, we are going to see most likely the next. Final Fantasy this year. We're going to see Final Fantasy 15. It is going to be this wonderful romp uh, through the countryside of whatever nation they're going on, and you know, four guys in a car, and probably a baby and some truck and a sword, and it's going to get real crazy. And a I big just sword hope that a big. It's always a big sword. It's a bigger sword. It's a bigger sword that's shaped like a baby, and it's traveling <laughs> on his back. And I just hope. My hope is that it feels better than 13 did because they had this great plan for 13 and 13 took 13 was all right i was i was kind of in the middle i wasn't one of those people that hated it um i wasn't one of those people that super loved it um but lightning was kind of as milk toast as you got when it came to heroines and that is saying something when you were comparing her to people like Squall and Cloud. Um, because those dudes are like the quintessential whitewash, like super Japanese character that could be anybody. And Lightning had very little in the way of personality. And the fact that they went ahead and they did kind of like two other games where she wasn't the main person in the second game, but she kind of showed up. And then the whole third game was based solely around her, that they sold her as this epic person that needed this whole story told. I just don't I don't see it. So I, it looks like they're trying to do something new with 15. Um, it looks like they're going in, in, in a real, so far, interesting direction. And they've kind of uh, taken their thoughts to heart, or, or outside thoughts to heart on it. I just hope that it, that it turns out well. I want to see it do well. I want to see it get back no, to that place Henry. of prominence. I mean, when you're when you're 15 deep in a st- in, in in some sort of franchise, I think you need to to constantly be uh, be going be going big on it. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I have no investment in that. Um, yeah, me either. Franchise at I'm all. all so investment. I don't, I don't I mean, have any thoughts to uh, to add to that. I'm sorry. I thought Brian. like it, like everything before ten was fantastic. Ten was fantastic. Eleven I never played because it was this online monstrosity that so many people loved. But I was that person that was like, I don't want other people in my Final Fantasy. Sure. Twelve felt like a single-player game where there were other people in my Final Fantasy, and I didn't like it. And I had to use, like, little macros to program my little partners, and I couldn't figure it out. And it was just 
I never spent any time with it in order to get invested into it. Um, 13, I, I picked it up like a year after it came out and enjoyed what it was. And I bought 13.2, and I 13.2 is still sitting on my shelf because I haven't picked that up. And hell, I, I don't even know what what I'll even do with 13.3 if that if I ever find it for like five bucks. Who knows? Um, 14 was great, and that those were people in my Final Fantasy, and I actually found it acceptable, um, and that was fantastic. So 15, I hope we are back up on this upswing. That 12 and all the 13s were this low valley. Of like we got to get these ideas out of the way so they don't come back. And fifteen is like, all right, man, we're back on top. Let's do this. Sure. Sure. I, I hope that happens for you. I hope it does as well. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There's a hope. It's good. Indeed. A deep hope. Absolutely. I, and you're not alone on that hope. Yeah. No, you no, there's have, a lot of people out there that have it, but, you know, it's... You just have two co-hosts who have still feels like an interest in that franchise. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I'll, I'll hold that I'll hold that candle alone. I'm okay. You do, you do that. I will. So, yeah, that's that's our hopes and fears. I like it. Guys. So, uh, so, considering it's it's been a little while since we kind of just sat down and talked, I wanted to take a few minutes to talk about some of the stuff that uh, we've been playing. Yeah. That, that wasn't the smoothest of transitions, but you know, it got us here. So, uh, it could have right. been better, but it definitely could have yeah. been worse. It worked for what it's it was. True. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> my fear is that you'll have worse transitions this year. My hope is that you'll have a lot of better ones, though. That's right. <laughs> uh, well played, Joel. That's, Thanks. That, that, that was pretty good. Thank you. That was pretty good. All right, so uh, so playing? yeah, video games, playing stuff. Brian, you, you've been playing something that uh, I think all of us have kind of looked upon with some intrigue all year long. I have I have played and I have conquered um, Dying Light. Uh, oh, that's right. I, is yes. is the light still dying? The light or is it alive again? The light was so lively during that game until like the last four minutes dying light is a fan like the idea that Techland put out there i want to say it was like three years ago with dead island like they got it right here um mm. running around uh the city of haran um there's two distinct parts to it there's the first part you're in is called the slums uh the second part is called old city old city is a whole bunch of like you know kind of four or five story buildings um, there's a lot of height to it. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of verticality everywhere. The slums are like one to three story buildings, and it's a lot more kind of. There's a lot of crowds and a lot of different things that are going on. Um, but like running around that city, uh, using the, um, the 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 parkour tools that they've given you um, is super satisfying. Uh, Twelve levels in, they give you a grapple hook. That's super satisfying. Getting to throw that out and like jump to the top of a building that completely changes the way like you get around the city and you do things um also super satisfying smashing the hell out of zombies with things i i can almost think of no mechanic um short of like just cause three's grapple hook that feels as good as taking a flaming electric sword and chopping a zombie in half <laughs> that, that, that button, uh, man Hitting that button and just 
watching your dude like like strike as the zombies coming at you and just zombie pieces go. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, they did a great job with that. Uh, the, the story is kind of, eh, you know, it was kind of lame. You're following this, uh, uh, you're Kyle Crane, which is like, as, <laughs> what else could you have named this guy? Like like Bob. Milk Toast yeah, the milk Man. Milk Toast, Bob <laughs> Seeger the Man. <laughs> good. And the Silver Bullet Dude. But uh, so he's voiced, he d- um, uh, Roger Craig Smith, the dude who did Batman in Batman Origin, or Arkham Origins. Um, okay. is the voice of the main character here. He does a great job kind of carrying this because he uh, he's a government agent that's not supposed to let on that he's a government agent um, until he finally lets on that he's a government agent. And it goes over about as well as you expect. Um, but the government agency, naturally, um, they try to screw him out of stuff. Um, and so he does a great job of giving giving them real incredulous, like, first person looks like where the, the the phone he's talking into kind of comes away from his head and he's just looking at it like are you people crazy and that comes out of his mouth and it, it feels right and so i mean they, they play even though that that character is kind of like milk toast the man the character feels good and as you kind of grow into him and as he starts doing uh more and more kind of impressive things and becoming this dude that they can rely on um he he kind of grows into himself Okay. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So everything up until that point is fantastic, as you can imagine. They, uh, you, you have all kinds of zombies. You have your normal kind of shufflers that kind of like shuffle through the streets and kind of hit you, and you can knock down, and they're real easy to get rid of unless they're in big groups, and then you're like, well, they're still kind of easy. You just gotta run away some. Uh, if you make too much noise, um, there are runners that come after you, and those dudes scream as they come. And, I mean, the only thing they're missing are, like, the bombs attached to their hands. Do they explode when they get to you? They do not explode. Those are the... Those... They have, like, boomers, almost literally boomers, and I think that's what they call them, uh, where they're, like, their insides are all, like, kind of trying to come out. And so they run at you like they're a fat baby and then blow up. (laughs) Those suck because they like to put them behind corners so you turn a corner and it goes and then explodes and you're like oh <clears throat> and you're conditioned from the beginning to like basically slash at anything that moves hmm. and so the moment this thing comes at you your first instinct is to slash or is to you know kind of roll out with your melee weapon and that just makes him explode and then if he explodes on you you're dead so you're kind of restarting you, the, the checkpoint system is very generous um, which is nice um, but at the same time, it, it is a bit of an annoyance when you run into one of those guys and you're like, oh, that was there, and there was no way I could have seen that guy. Awesome. Um, there's also dudes that spit, because naturally there have to be dudes that spit, and then um, as if we hadn't taken enough zombies uh, from like Left for Dead already um, towards the end of the game, there are these big uh, tank like runner zombies that are just huge bruisers that throw pieces of concrete if you're away from them and like charge you if you're close to them um and so my tactic with that was to stand on top of something that was tall find an angle that they couldn't throw rocks at me and shoot them with a gun a lot until they fell down uh you didn't really get to use a lot of guns because if you used guns runners came because those make a lot of noise uh so it was real 
interesting trying to balance out like where am I on the oh shit meter Do I need to pull this out and shoot somebody and risk more zombies coming, or can I handle this dude with like the flaming knife that I'm holding? All of that. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. And then at night. At night, everything apparently goes to pot. Uh, because if anybody has seen Blade 2, um, they introduced kind of like this reaver vampire where like the bottom jaw kind of snakes out and there's like yep. this weird crazy tongue. Those are basically yep. the night zombies. <laughs> oh, wow. They're called volatiles. They're UV, like like they're very UV sensitive. So you have a little UV flashlight you carry with you so that when, you're chase- when they're chasing you, and they will chase you because... They have a, a, a hearing cone and everything, but when they hear you, when they will, and you're running, you can kind of turn around and flash the flashlight at them, and they get all blind and, like, run around. A little for a Alan second. Wake there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like, they, anything you can imagine where there was some sort of, like, undead or scary thing, sure. they're like, you yeah, know what, yeah. let's crib a little from that. <laughs> so they, but, they, they're, they're these volatiles, and yeah. the whole... That, what I'm building towards is that this whole last level this last mission that they send you on to kill this guy named rise you've been building towards this is, is he a, a son of rome he is or anything? I was also not. gonna ask if he was a tomb raider <laughs> he is like <laughs> he is like the son of that dude from fall uh, far cry 3 okay it is like that dude with like a vest on but why is he in dying light why is that guy so rise is in dying light because he was the he was uh, an original government... Uh, spoilers, if anybody is still playing that. Uh, you know, spoiler gong here. Um, he is... Uh, he was, he, him and his brother, I believe, were original agents that came in uh, for the GRE, which is the company that Kyle Crane works for. Um, they came in, and they ended up getting stuck, and his brother ended up dying, and he ended up going crazy and basically taking over everything like he was a warlord. Okay, so you're saying it's basically the plot of Spec Ops. Yeah, sure, yeah, except, <laughs> d- d- like, not not so many allusions to Heart of Darkness. <laughs> um, right. you're, not, you're not chasing Kurtz, but Rise might as well be Kurtz. Um, right. So you're, you're going after this dude, and he is at the top of this building um, that was in the middle of construction when this outbreak happened. So needless to say, it hasn't been finished. You start... On the bottom floor, and you go through this absolutely amazing gauntlet of you fighting people with you fighting people with hand weapons, you fighting people with guns, you fighting zombies with hand weapons, you being put into this basically like an almost an endless runner where Rise just says, "Hey, you like running? Start running now, pal." And so you're running past all these zombies and you're heading into these sewers and going into these different jumps and sliding and suddenly there are volatiles coming out of the walls because it's dark in the fucking sewers and they're <coughs> they're chasing after you and they're right behind you and you have like a four-star wanted level with these volatiles. They are damn near everywhere. And you finally hit the end of this like run and you're at this skyscraper and you have to climb the skyscraper and so like you're hitting like like you're, you climb this elevator you get in part of the elevator shaft and then you come out and you're, on, you're then you're on the outside of the building and you're climbing that and then you're making your way through 
uh, one of the, you know, like uh, one of the floors that was being built. And naturally, there's freaking zombies on the floor. And so you're fighting your way through them till you can get to the other side and climb up on a freaking crane and go across the crane to like the twin tower of this other tower. And so you finally get up there and Rise is like standing right in front of you and they take all control away from you and turn it into a QTE. Oh. And your yeah. fight with this dude, your final fight with this dude consists of you hitting X, circle, triangle, square, triangle, circle, in that order. That's oh. it. It was... That was a lot of lead-up, Brian. The biggest freaking letdown. I feel let down. I've never played that game. Yeah. The rest of the game is so awesome. That last part was so great. And then there was that. And I almost, like, if it wasn't for the fact that it would have killed me and I would have had to start the whole sequence over again of, like, the, the quick time event, like, I almost just dropped the, dropped the control and just let whatever happened happen. Because it was like, really? Really? Yeah, that sounds oh, pretty man. crap. Yeah, it was, it was bad. That last part was really bad. And it might not have been those buttons in that order, but I can tell you the first four buttons were definitely like X, circle, triangle, square. Like, it was ridiculous. Oh, God. So sad. But otherwise, so that, that game is like a solid four out of five. Very oh, solid. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that yeah. that's where that game kind of came to when it was scored last year. Yeah, probably. That, it was a, it's a very... It's an absolutely excellent game. If you had any any inklings about it, um, I would probably wait until they roll out this new version um, that's coming with the following DLC, like their ultimate version or whatever they're calling it. Um, but I'm uh, enhanced edition, yeah, I think, is something like that. The title. definitive, you know, we'll just throw out titles. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm super, I'm super excited for that. And if it wasn't for another game that's releasing like this Friday. Um, I would totally be getting that like the day it came out. What's releasing this Friday? XCOM 2. Oh, okay. Mm, I knew yes. that. I didn't know that. But... Yeah, yeah, it is the the enhanced edition. It is the enhanced edition. Okay. Yep. Well, it's, it, so if you look at the box art, it says Dying Light the following, but then up at the top, it says Enhanced Edition includes... Dying Light, Be the Zombie, Ultimate Survival Bundle, the Bozak Horde, mm-hmm. and Dying Light the Fallen. Oh, yeah, so it's all, so it's all its DLC. It's their Game of the Year edition. Yeah. yeah. Totally, absolutely worth it. If, if nothing, the, the I got it, um, like, used, um, uh, using, like, birthday money um, for, like, 20, okay. for, like, 20 bucks. I, 100% worth that price. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that I had that and I was able to get it used, uh, I totally think it is it is worthy of like a full price purchase. So I will happily nice. once I get around to it, I will happily pay like the twenty dollars or whatever they want for that following because that sure. sounds more time in that world sounds really cool. How was the how was the gunplay in that game? Because that was one of the things that kind of I, I it never quite jived with me in. Um, Dead Island was because there's a, a character that's totally devoted to like being good with guns and you just rarely find guns with enough ammo for that to be a viable thing for you to do so you don't there are not a ton of guns in the beginning um, there's not okay. really a ton of guns through the game you run into certain parts 
Um, like there are a couple missions where you're um, specifically going against like Rise's men, and his dudes are armed with like uh, rifles. Um, you find a couple of handguns, and then right at the end of the game, you find a uh, a double-barreled shotgun. Um, rifle ammo, because uh, the people that use it are the people you're fighting against. I never had a hard time of finding. Um, okay. They sell it in kind of three bundle stacks at every at basically every store you run into or everybody who's selling stuff. Um, so ammo itself is never big. Uh, the thing that, that keeps the gunplay down is the fact that it makes noise. And so sure. you, or at least if, if you were anything like me, um, runners were just, they weren't hard to deal with, they were just annoying. And so gotcha. having to constantly like find a, a kind of a taller place to get up to so that you could funnel them because they would once they got to you they would all kind of climb up the same way and you could either just kick them off or just you know like slash them once they got to the top so once okay. you found a way to funnel them they were very easy to deal with but otherwise they just the screaming was annoying the, the they, they they hit real fast and they kind of come at you from all directions when you're on the ground so they were just they were hassle to deal with so unless i had to use a gun i really didn't um that being said, the actual gunplay itself felt pretty good. Um, it wasn't... I, I would have preferred had they given me the option to use, like, left trigger to aim instead of pressing down on the right stick um, mm. to bring up the aiming... You know, to bring up kind of the iron sights or whatever it was. Um, but, you know, uh, once you get used to it, um, the movement is fine. It doesn't... It doesn't feel like it was a system that was tacked on. So the firefights that you do get in with folks, um, as long as you kind of take your time it, it it's it's very easy to to get through and it doesn't feel like it was tacked on at all that's awesome okay. yeah and supposedly and, um, in the following because it's more of a wide a wide open area um they're kind of this this part of it's going to have a, a bigger emphasis on gunplay so i uh, you know hopefully that 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 kind of carries through into the next part too okay uh, it, is everything like degradable? Um, yeah, when everything using but guns. guns they... No, guns don't degrade. Okay, so I that's... used the very first, and it was I was lucky too. The first two dudes I ran into that had rifles. Um, everything has like a damage a damage number on it, and so mm -hmm. the first two rifles I found were like two eighty five, and I was like, oh wow, that's kind of cool. Every other military rifle I found was like a one eighty five. So. I managed oh, to wow. stumble upon, like, I guess the strongest rifle in the game, like, right out of the bat. And I just used that. <laughs> that was constantly equipped throughout the rest of the game in one of my, like, four slots. And I was just like, I'll use this forever. Um, everything else degrades um, when you use it in your hand. Uh, you get... Uh, most things have uh, three kind of repair repair options. Um, so that yeah. you, you can repair it three times before it is no long, before you can't use it anymore. Um, at, as you skill up through the trees, um, you there. I believe it's the combat tree that has um, a little section that's devoted to um, giving you a a ra uh, a random chance that when you do repair an item, that it doesn't use up one of its repair tokens. Okay. Um, and so those last, those will help items last longer, and then they don't degrade as fast. Um, they still degrade pretty damn quickly. Um, eventually, you find kind of like a class of item that you really like. Um, I, I, towards the end of the game, I got really into the um, bladed um, cu cutting weapons 
I thought those not only worked against uh, Rise's men really well, um, they also they cut up zombies like they were nothing. And I thought, and and a body shot with a bladed weapon to a zombie often did more to hurt them than like a body shot with like a baseball bat. Um, even though hitting a zombie's head with a baseball mat makes the most satisfying squish sound with their little graphic of like the head exploding. That was really cool. And so for a while I just carried around this electrified baseball bat where I was just like, what bam. And they were just, Pfft. it was great. My, my noise gives it no justice. <laughs> it sounded much better than that. But yeah, stuff to nice. grade. So I mean like that's, that's always something you're kind of looking at and they do, they have really nice audio cues so, like, you know, you could be slashing somebody, and you'll hear, like, a clunk, and you'll look at your weapon, and the weapon visually has degraded in your hand. Um, so, you know, like, uh, the bat I was using, like, part of the bat, the part of the bat crumpled in. Um, they, uh, there's a, uh, like, a cricket bat, and, like, when I was using that, and it broke, like, the top part of the cricket bat came off. Uh, like the very tip of it, um, uh, uh, like a ham- uh, crowbar I was using, you know, it started kind of getting all mangled. And then what's really neat is that when you repair it, if you use one of the repair tokens, um, you see kind of like a physical change to the item itself. So like that electric bat I had, the not only did I have like a battery strapped to the bottom of it, which was kind of neat, um, uh-huh. the to kind of like get the bat back into shape it had a metal rod that was taped to it going up one side to kind of hold it and give it like more form for that second time that i repaired it so they it's kind of yeah it's a real neat kind of like uh graphical addition to those weapons where you know it shows that there's an age to them that you have used them that they've they've kind of been battle hardened sure and then it's really it's also really neat like say um, you go to repair it that first time and you don't you get to you know you get the random chance and you don't use one of the repair tokens that weapon comes back looking like you didn't you've never used it before okay. yeah it's it's really it's like a neat like little system because at that point you haven't used a repair token it's almost like it's brand new or it might as well be nice yeah. so does it and this is just me kind of nitpicking mm-hmm. into the, the systems. Um, when you repair it the first time, does it take less time before it needs to be repaired again from when it originally needed to be repaired? No. Does that make sense? Okay. It does. The, 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 everything has a durability score. And okay. depending upon the add-ons that you put on it, you can actually extend that durability score out. Um, but once you repair it, um, even though the item looks used, um, it still goes back to that same repair score. So if you're if you if your bat had a durability score of like forty three, then it would still go back up to a forty three. Okay. It doesn't it doesn't get any worse in that regard. You just have gotcha. one last time that you know one less time that you can repair it. Gotcha. All right, sounds sounds good. Yeah, sounds. It was I I had a, an awful lot of fun with it, and I I got real lucky and was kind of a. Uh, Alone with only one child on Saturday, and so while he while Henry was napping, um, I got to like kill the last three hours of that game, and it was it was super satisfying all the way through, it, it, right up until sure. those last four minutes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that that happens yeah. with video not games. not enough to ruin like the game sure. itself as a whole, but enough to be like, man, really. <laughs> and I think I actually said those words when it like that first little thing popped up. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Is this a joke? It's like, haha, fools yeah, you! So, you have control, like, and you just died. Honestly, like maybe. <laughs> Two or three missions before that, you have to take out his lieutenant. Uh-huh. And that is, like, literally a fight where you are going back and forth with this guy with you each have a machete. And you are just taking pieces out of each other. Okay. And, and like, at, at some point, like, you have this real weak-ass machete, and then three other people come into the arena, you know, come into, like, the little area to fight you. And so you you kill them, and you take their machetes, and their machetes are stronger, so you start doing more to this dude. But still, like, he okay. had a life bar. You were using the skills that you used in-game. You right. weren't just, like, hitting X and watching your dude dodge out of the way and, like, punch him or something. Ugh. But that's what I've been playing. I, w- I, wonder, I wonder if that's one of the things that they will change, because I, I know, like, it just generically says, you know, enhances the gameplay and stuff like that. I wonder if that's something that they're going to change uh, with the... Uh, the enhanced edition like the ending i don't know yeah i don't know if you could I, well i mean it's a it's something that i think even the best of games struggles with is how to close a game out you look at a game like shadows of mordor which you're building yeah. up building up building up and then you like kind of the same combat, thing and it's like the same exact kind of thing yep. where you're either you're so overpowered and then it just goes into quick time events yeah sure because that's, that's the, well, they kind of built themselves into a corner, and that's the only exactly. way. Exactly. I think most games build yeah. themselves into corners. Sure, sure. And I, I remember there being a lot of games kind of early in the uh, the last console generation. Uh, the one that sticks out the most in my head right now is uh, Gears of War, where it was just kind of the ultimate difficult version of everything that you had played before, which actually stopped being fun. Because I, I remember at the, the end of that game, you're fighting the evil locust guy or whatever and that that final boss fight was just super hard really frustrating and really not fun and uh i I feel like there were a lot of games around that time that did that with a lot of boss battles and there was a backlash to it and so ever since then they have been erring on the side of boss battles being quick time events it's been kind of weird um, yep. Be interesting to see if that pendulum starts to to swing back. Some, someday we'll find a balance will. again. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. No. In general, ROM was ridiculous. Yeah, like I that, remember that playing insane. through that game on easy, and going, "Oh my god! Like, what am I doing? <laughs> what is going right? on?" And yeah. if you didn't bring the right weapons, if you didn't bring one of those bows, um, to to like explode the the ravens that constantly like flew around him. You were just yeah. pumping an endless, an endless amount of bullets into that guy. And not yeah, doing and on anything. like normal, I think on normal it took like all the bullets to uh, to like break the shield once, and it was just yeah, it was all. So uh, so yeah, I don't I don't really know which I I prefer, but uh, uh, but that that is that does sound disappointing. Yeah, I just but, want um, something that doesn't feel like, like it's cheating me. Like it doesn't need to be super hard. It you know sure. it, it I just want at that point you've already given me all the all the tools you thought I needed to survive the world. I the, the last boss doesn't because it be, especially in a game like this where 
they incorporated all of those tools so well into like the final gauntlet that you mm-hmm. ran to get there that had it just been like kind of a normal fight that I think that would have been okay. Because sure. at that point, I think I, you know, like having survived all of that to get here, I kind of would have earned just like really laying into that dude. And instead it turns into this real, like, I mean, the, the cinematic, like the stuff that was going on during the quick time event was cool. Mm-hmm. And there was a real kind of back and forth with it. Um, that this guy, you know, that Rise kind of deserved because he was supposed to be this big tough dude. Uh, but I think when compared to like his lieutenant, that proved to be big and tough, but within the the strictures of the world around him, that having this guy kind of taken out of that so that the rules didn't necessarily apply, like that yeah. that kind of scene, that was the the thing that seemed like it, it was robbed. Sure. Which. Uh- just kind of the the rules not necessarily applying you know one way or the other is is definitely something that video games and even like movies uh, struggle with in terms of you know making something that seems both satisfying because it's it's a good fight but then also generally you have to bring up somebody that should be so evil and powerful that they could kill you by blinking at you but then yet you still put up a fight and eventually kill yeah. them. Um, one actually odd instance or not odd but uh, a good instance of a game actually handling kind of the final encounter really well uh, is both of the the last two Tomb Raiders um, and kind of mixing the kind of combat and acrobatic stuff that you're doing and making it feel like you're using basically all the skills that you've learned sure. uh, throughout the game. Yeah, but and, then, yeah. and then and not just the the last boss being like, oh, this is a bullet sponge. Well, Use all your bullets they on kind of, I, I agree and disagree. So I, I agree that, yeah, they let you use all your skills, but they are all bullet sponges at the end of Rise. Um, I mean, it, yep. and they have no, some not. justification for that, which I think is kind of weird. But... Um, I they they got what 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 are bullet sponges at the end of Rise of the tumor? Yeah, the undead people. Two two, two shots to the head and they're dead. Ah, oh, it's more than two, isn't it? No, one like shot to knock off the helmet lot. and one to. Uh, no. well, maybe well, I, I used well, like only the bow in that game, bow, right or whatever. I was using the triple <laughs> shot bow, yes, yeah. which auto focuses to the head. Yeah, so I um, don't think. Uh, so I, yeah. I'm on my second playthrough of that game, um, but the first playthrough I was on under time constraints, so I did not have a sure. triple shot bow going into that last mm. area. That's pretty useful. I, I've heard. Um, I think I was using <laughs> a at the time. Well, actually, so so it's not just the triple shot bow. Um, it is the third upgrade well, that, to oh, that, yeah. the one that keeps it locked on the head. Yeah. Um, because the first one, the first is a double shot, and whichever person or whichever enemy you're pointing at, that one will be a headshot. But the other one, the one that you're no longer looking straight at, will be a body shot. And so then there's the triple shot, which will do a headshot to the one that you're aiming at, and then body shots to the two other enemies that you're not aiming directly at. And then there's a final upgrade for it that has them all be headshots. Man, I cannot wait um, to play that game. It's so good. <laughs> oh my god. That sounds great. It's, 
it's great. It really yes, it is. is. Um, but yeah, sorry. That anyway. Um, yeah, but uh, even so, the the guys that are more bullet spongy than the rest of the enemies in that game, it's still like when you come to the final human that you're yes, fighting, he is like he is still just human, yeah. a human. Uh, and you kill him in such an awesome way. Yeah, no, I... I um, <laughs> yeah, there, there. I, I, I've said this already, but the, to, the, the ability to stick a landing in a video game seems to be one of the hardest It's things. hard. It's yeah. hard. Well, I mean, I think not only is it difficult because, I mean, even movies struggle with that, especially like action yeah, movies I would say, coming up with something that is, yeah. is really satisfying um, and seems like a, a good challenge for the hero, but then also not just cheap. Yeah. Um, right, but and, and, I think it's even harder. Yeah. I think it's even harder for video games because you know, with a movie, you're pretty much guaranteed that the person who starts it finishes it. If especially if they're going to see it in the theater, uh, I doubt that many people actually just get up and leave in the middle. That that may not be true. I don't know. Uh, but with video games, with the the sad number of people that don't finish games, like it's. I imagine for a lot of developers, it just doesn't seem worth... You know, it's like, hey, okay, we've got two big problems. The The beginning is not great, and the end isn't great, and we've got two months left to fix it before this game ships. What do you do? You fix the beginning, because that's yep. the one everybody sees. Well, and, and, um, the... and so not only is it difficult, because endings are difficult, it's difficult because it's not a priority. Yep. And I think a good actual parallel is probably TV, right? You want to get people at the beginning... Mm -hmm. You're going to start losing people at some point in a series, and ending a basically going to start losing people immediately. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, abs absolutely, absolutely. But uh, but yeah, yeah, it sounds uh, that's, sounds uh, yeah, that's awesome overall. It's very good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I uh, I started playing some Mafia Two after our last wow. discussion of uh, talking about Mafia Three. I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> okay, uh, and that that game actually holds up surprisingly Does well. It's it, um and it, it holds up well because uh, I think Brian, I think it was you that mentioned that there's not a whole lot to do in that world. Yeah. Um, and that I was actually kind of struck after about an hour or two playing the game that I realized this is not an open world game. No, not really. This is a linear not game really, yeah. that it place that takes place in a congruent singular map, but it is not an open world game as we have come to know that term. It's not a sandbox nope. game. It is a game where all of the levels that you will go to exist within one large map. And you map, just kind of go to them. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I actually kind of enjoyed that because a lot of times when I, I look at an open world game, I go, man, I don't really know if I have time sure. to, yeah, uh, to devote yeah. to that. Uh, so I, I've since stopped playing it because, uh, I started playing Gemini, Starpoint Gemini, uh, for oh, that's right. which yeah, is yeah. kind of an interesting space game. Uh, I haven't gotten too far into it because then I started playing Tomb Raider on PC, um, and that's basically what I did this weekend. So three times I, I've now played Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, three times. You might that, be that's um, great. The very rare that, category of someone that's played the 360, Xbox One, and PC version. I hope I am <laughs> in a very rare category with that. Um, I would imagine that's less than one percent. 
but uh, that game at, that worked on the game that haven't played all three versions of that game. That that's probably true. That's probably true. Uh, but that game is fantastic. I, I'm also probably in an even smaller percentage when you think of that. Yeah, I wasn't actually that excited about the game that's beforehand we, yeah, because of my that. experience with the least one or the the past one. So uh, so yeah, I, I I don't that I guess that just speaks to how freaking good Rise of the Tomb Raider is. It's fantastic. If Life is Strange and The Witcher hadn't come out last year, it would have been Game of the Year. And the only, like, it is no knock against Rise of the Tomb Raider to say that. It's just those other two games were really, really good. Um, Yeah, it's, man, it is stellar. So, uh,. So yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. What about you, Joel? Uh, so just like you, I, I've taken on my first review assignment of the year, and actually I just posted uh, my review to our back end, which feels good because it's been a, been a little bit. Um, but I have been playing This War of Mine, um, the console okay. version, uh, which uh, goes under the subname of uh, The Little Ones, which, oh, man, this is a tough game. Oh, God. Um this is one of my probably favorite games I've played in the last couple of years. Um, okay. It is, but I actually hate playing it. Um, it is emotionally <laughs> draining. Uh, this this expanded console edition um, is tougher. So uh, basically what this game is, uh, it's taking place during a fictional civil war, um, and you are in charge of up to three different people at once. Um, and the basic idea is you're trying to survive. Um, you are civilians who are literally just in the middle of this war, and you have to kind of get your way through by any means necessary. What's interesting about this game, though, and it came out originally in, I think, 2014, um, is that it it's less about, um, like any action and it's absolutely about just managing these people's emotional and physical psyches um there's a lot of emphasis put on their emotional psyche though so uh the the example i'll give is you have a day and night cycle during the day you are at your basically home base which is an abandoned house uh in the middle of this war-torn area and you are um getting together supplies, you're making food, you're developing different stuff for your house, whether it's like a radio or beds or a a furnace to keep you warm during the winter, um, all sorts of different stuff. And then at night, you have the ability to take one person out to go and scavenge, uh, basically try to steal stuff from other places. Uh, Some places are abandoned, and and those you can just take, um, but there are other places that have people in them, and you have the option to steal from them. Um, and this really wears on people's psyches, um, especially uh, an example I just played through. Um, an old man who was by himself uh, lost his wife, was just emotionally a wreck, um, and had tons of food. And I had three people who were starving. Um, so I ended up killing him with a crowbar and stealing his food. Um, but my character got home and got depressed ended up leaving the house the next day and getting shot. Um, I had no control over that. He just got so depressed that I lost control over him, and he just got up and left and died. Um, And I got to tell you, I was like eight. Now I'm depressed. Yeah, so 
Yeah, wow. so I was 19 days in at that point, um, which is a long time in that game. It's really hard to survive that long. Um, and I'm down a person. And once you start getting down people, it gets really, really hard. Because you have to um, – the people that stay behind during the night, you have the option to either have them sleep or guard the house. And I'd say at least a third of the time someone tries to um, burglarize your house and steal stuff. So you need at least one person to guard. You need to start uh, more than food. You actually need to start building up an arsenal um, to basically just protect your home front. Uh, It is intense. It is really hard to play for long periods of time because it's emotionally draining. And then what this console version does is adds kids to the mix. And that is just terrible. Uh, That it's just the worst. Um, the one, the first mode that you play is a dad and a daughter. And I got to tell you, it is, I don't have kids, but man, I, I choked up. Um, the kid can't actually do a lot. Um, so while you're building beds, building ovens and, um, building stuff to try to survive and then going out at night scavenging, they still have people come in and try to burglarize your house, uh, while your daughter's there by herself. Um, and you also still have to keep her happy and occupied and, um, just, build up her psyche because she's going through this war with you and it is so hard and so emotionally draining um, but it's really really well done uh, I absolutely love this game it's really hard but uh, both from an emotional standpoint and just to survive um, is really challenging but it's a, it's a fun kind of roguelike game uh, really pretty cell shaded kind of like hand drawn look um, it's really really great I think it goes for 20 bucks um, it's probably way cheaper on Steam, and uh, I think it's also on iOS. But uh, I'm really, I really, really like it. It's uh, it's tough though. It's uh, it's not a fun game to play by any means. Huh. Yeah, I, I I know it got some buzz. <laughs> that sounds super stressful. It's real uh, super yeah. stressful. Um, it, it definitely feels a little bit uh, like another game I like, which is Don't Starve. Um, but this one feels just so much more real, um, and that makes it. A thousand times more stressful. Um, the one other little touch that they did: each player has like a player card. Um, so each person in your party has a player card, and they're in the bottom right-hand corner. If you've ever seen this game, they have uh, they, they put a face to the name and they blink. Um, uh, these player cards are kind of somewhat interactive, so like the person blinks, and I don't know why, but that gives it so much more of like a human feel to it. And it's like a faces, Harry Potter picture. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, um, and I don't know why, but it gives gives it a little bit more of a um, realistic feel to it. And I, I got to tell you, their backstories are just enough to get you to know them. Um, the first place just enough I, to get you to care, and then they exactly yeah. walk out on you and get shot. And, yeah, and you'll have people that'll come by your house and try to trade with you, or they'll beg you for stuff. They'll tell you about their their dad that's dying and they, they really need medications or they really need bandages or they really need food. Um, and sometimes they're real and sometimes they're lying and you're just going to lose your stuff and never hear from them again. So it's, it's a really interesting game. I've played, probably played for about eight to 10 hours, but never probably more than 20 minutes at a time. So, uh, oh, wow. it's a really, how, how is, how's the game on console in terms of control? Cause I, I played it a little yeah. bit. Um, and it, it was kind of weird because it, when I played, cause I played it on yeah. PC, uh, not long after it came out and it both seemed like a console with a controller would be better 
just because it was kind of cumbersome with mouse and keyboard, but at the same time, I couldn't see how that would even that's a really work. Good, so is yeah, everything... Yeah, that's a really good point. Feeling um, good? Yeah, so actually, I think this game would be best on an iPad. I don't know how the iOS version oh. works, but I think a touch interface for this game, and I'm really considering per- picking it up on iOS because I think it's touch is perfect. Uh, console's a little, little weird. Um, what I don't like about this game is that it's really hard to control to kind of multitask in this game. You really have to focus on one character at a time, which um, for someone like me who plays, likes playing a lot of sim, like, like uh, city builders or um, even a game like The Sims, um, it's very hard to control multiple people multiple people at once so you you do it's fine when you're controlling one person you basically just move with the left analog stick and you click x to um or a to select something and that'll get them to do something uh, but to actually control multiple people at once um is challenging but the later you get into that game it's very unlikely that you're going to have more than one person that has the ability to do anything for the most part, people end up needing to recover from wounds or illnesses. Um, and so they will be in bed or will be mending. Um, so that becomes less of an issue, like two days into any playthrough, um, because someone okay. is going to get shot or someone is going to get stabbed or someone's going to get sick. Um, but yeah, it's a little weird controlling it. I, in fact, I wouldn't have even minded if they did a second screen experience where I could just, um, use my iPad as the control because I think that would work better. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's a great controller experience. The other thing too that I don't love is that text is super small. Um, so I don't think it was optimized great for console. I think it. I actually have to sit closer to my TV to see some of the text um, options when you're selecting different. Uh, for example, when you're um, trading, you have the ability to either um, barter with the person or dismiss them and tell them to go away but the icons are so small it's really hard to distinguish between the two um, whereas if you had an iPad or you were on PC you're up and close so um, that that would be my small gripes I don't think it's great on controller either but there's very few times where you have to be super accurate with your controls um, it's still a sim so you're a lot of times you're sitting waiting for different things to happen in fact the later you get into the game the more often all three of your people are sleeping during the day and just guarding the house at night. So you're not doing a whole heck of a lot, but just trying to survive. Um, and the, the big aspects is just uh, going out at night and trying to find enough supplies to keep things going. So, yeah, it's tough. It's a good game. And if since you have it, Jonathan, I'd highly recommend giving it a second shot. I think uh, it's worth it. Okay. Yeah, cool. So, I, yeah, Sounds it good. was a good, good and bad first game to uh, kind of review this year. <laughs> you'll you'll need yes. to mend uh, before you review. Yeah, I, I'm really hoping we get a code for Unravel. Um, that is a game that feels like the perfect uh, pick me up from after uh, this war of mine. Sure, though that I know I have a yeah. feeling that game is going to take an yeah, emotional turn true. at some point. So. We'll see, um, but yeah, no, I, I yeah. highly recommend it. Um, it's a, it's a really really interesting game, and I think they did a really good job. I love the art style of that game. I think it's really cool looking, um, and it's a, it's a lot. It's it's a really engaging game, and it's uh, 
It's emotionally taxing, though. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that really sounds like super, super stressful. It <laughs> I, is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I even wrote in my review, I don't know if I ever had fun playing this game. In fact, I know I didn't have fun playing this game. Gotcha. But, yeah. Cool. All right, well, I think that's... I think that does it for uh for this episode guys we uh we should call it Sounds night good. and come back again uh thank you guys for, for joining me and talking about our hopes and fears for the years as well for the years for the year as well as uh you know the games that we've been playing here recently if you want to find out more about dark station head on over to darkstation.com there you can see all of our uh, predictions and look forwards to uh, to the upcoming year. You can follow us on Twitter at darkstation underscore com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and send us an email at podcast at darkstation dot com. Thank you guys again and have a good night. See ya. Good night, internets. Good night.